right, welcome this evening, our, our study in the Life of Christ class. Uh, we are in uh, lesson number 123, again, getting closer and closer to the end. Uh, we are uh, on Sunday of the day that the Lord uh, rose from the dead, uh, continuing that study. And, uh, of course, last week we talked about really what happened on Saturday uh, of, the, of the resurrection uh, which was not really much, if you recall. But uh, someone uh, referred to these three days as the three most important days in, in the history uh, of the world. Does anyone remember what happened July 20th, 1969? Does that date ring a bell? Yeah. Yeah, so July 20th, 1969, American astronauts landed on the moon. And of course, this was a great... Uh, event in American history. Of course, you, we all remember one step, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Uh, we remember that quote, but do we remember the, one of the quotes that uh, President Richard Nixon made at that time? Uh, he said, this is, the, this is the greatest week in the history of the world since the creation. Now, did he get that right? No, he, he did get at least he, uh, At least he acknowledged the creation, but uh, as it being the greatest week uh, uh, of all time, of all history, you know, no, of course not. It, it pales in comparison to what happened, you know, some 2,000 years ago. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a great day, wasn't it? I already could tell the heckling's beginning. The heckling's beginning, okay. Um, so the, great, the three most important days in the history uh, of the world, some 2,000 years ago today. And of course, we've been, we've been talking about this quite a lot uh, since these past few classes, right? Jesus died on that Friday around 3 p.m. Uh, he's buried before a sundown, before the Sabbath. And uh, Saturday, of course, we talked about last week, and the scriptures is pretty much silent. Uh, we we kind of talked about, you know, what was going on at that time. Uh, we noticed on Sunday... Uh, we kind of peeked ahead a little bit and noticed the, the apostles, uh, the disciples were weeping. They were mourning. Uh, they were uh, behind locked doors, no doubt, for safety. But again, nothing was recorded about what happened Saturday except for the enemies of Jesus. Right? The, we, we, we read that passage at the end of Matthew chapter 27 where the enemies of Jesus went to Pilate and they're still plotting. Right? There's, even though Jesus died on the cross, they saw him die on the cross, they're still plotting uh, because they said, remember uh, when he said you know, that uh, you know, three days in the tomb and then he would rise uh, from the dead. And so uh, they request Pilate, let's secure this tomb. Let's make sure that there's no funny business going on here, uh, that somebody's going to come and snatch the body away. And so uh, let's secure the tomb so they get that authorization. And last week, we kind of just touched on what happened on Sunday, and really that's going to be the bulk of the lesson uh, tonight is really, you know, what uh, transpired right uh, as the sun began to rise that Sunday morning. And so we're going to begin in uh, Luke 24. Uh, We'll read Luke's account, and we'll read John's account uh, this evening. But again, you know, this is a time of a lot of confusion, right? There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of uh, lack of faith we're seeing here. Uh, we're noticing that the disciples are preparing Jesus' body for burial, even though he you know, reminded them over and over again during his ministry that 
Uh, he was going to rise from the dead, but they're preparing his body. Uh, again, some are locked behind closed doors, afraid that you know, maybe they're, maybe they're going to come after them next. And again, his enemies were preventing, you know, trying to prevent his resurrection, right? They were worried that, um, that something was going to happen. And so uh, it's a time of confusion. And, you know, they're struggling with this, aren't they? So let's read Luke 24, uh, verses 1 through 11. And we're going to see this when we read uh, Luke's account. We're going to see this through the eyes of the women who are there at the tomb. And then when we read John's account, we'll see this through the eyes of uh, a couple of the uh, apostles, Peter and John. So uh, let's look at Luke 24, starting in verse 1. It says, uh, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Uh, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James. Also, the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles, but these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. Okay, so this event, right, this great event that's about to change the world, uh, these women, they're on their way to the tomb, right? It's very early in the morning, and uh, we recall... Um, a couple of classes ago, uh, these two individuals, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, I remember those two. They were the ones who uh, took the body of Jesus and prepared it for the burial. Uh, Joseph, of course, purchased the, the, the linen cloth that they're going to wrap the body in and the tomb that they're going to put him in. And Nicodemus was the one that brought all those spices uh, to uh, apply to the body. And um, here these women are bringing their spices uh, that they have prepared. You know, we haven't really talked about, uh, the, you know, what are these spices for? You know, what's the purpose of these spices? Yeah, exactly. Um, at this time, uh, the Egyptians were uh, ones who uh, practiced embalming. Right. You know, we, we understand that when we've you know, studied, you know, all those tombs, uh, those pharaohs tombs and stuff. They actually practice embalming to, you know, sort of slow down the decomposition rate uh, of, of a body after death. Uh, but the Jews didn't. Uh, they uh, in their burial custom was to simply wrap the body uh, in a cloth and then apply those spices, uh, as Jeff mentioned, to sort of control that smell. Right, that that's going to happen. Remember in John chapter eleven when Lazarus uh, was uh, inside the tomb and he had been in there for four days, and the people were worried about, uh, you know, when Jesus was going to, you know, raise him from the dead. They were worried about, you know, what that that smell was going to be all about, you know. And that's the purpose of these spices, right? That they are uh, are, are anointing this body uh, to again so, sort of slow down the the rate of decomposition uh, for the body. Uh, to counteract uh, the stench that's going to occur. 
but so anyways, here's these women coming to the tomb uh, with some more spices. And, you know, what are they talking about on the way? Uh, well, I don't think Luke's account tells us, but uh, Matthew's account tells us that, you know, they're, they're worried about that stone that's in front of the tomb. Right? Uh, who's going to roll away that, that large stone? And uh, so they're worried about that. And just, just you know, throw this out there. Do, do we recall, you know, how, how does that stone uh, get moved? And again, we didn't read Matthew's account, but um, how is that stone removed from uh, being up against, sealed against the, the, the tomb? Yeah, so um, I guess, why don't we just go ahead, I'll just go ahead and read Matthew uh, 27, or, or Matthew 28's account. Because um, again, uh, Luke doesn't cover that for us. But it just says in Matthew 28, starting in verse 1, uh, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. Right, so there's this severe earthquake. Uh, again, uh, we just read about an earthquake that just happened a couple days ago, right? Uh, with uh, Jesus' death. And here's another one a couple days later. And this angel that we're told uh, descends from heaven. And that's how the, the stone gets uh, moved from the tomb. And they enter the tomb and they are perplexed, right? Where's the body? Where is the body of our Lord Jesus? And um, Matthew's account, you know, we've kind of already mentioned this, uh, mentions directly to us that this was uh, an angel, uh, an angel of God that was there. But uh, when you read Mark and Luke's account, it refers to them as uh, these men, right? Uh, these men in dazzling clothing, these men in white garments. And again, these uh, were, these, I mean, it's obvious that these are angels, right? And again, Matthew tells us this. Uh, Matthew and Mark, they only mention one angel here, but Luke and John uh, mentions that there are two. And, uh, um, you know, Mark actually describes them as young men. Uh, they they kind of give us a description as to what form they took, uh, these angels. They, were, they, they looked as if they were young men. So that's interesting to notice. But uh, do you remember what happened? Uh, I guess we should have read Matthew's account, but uh, do you remember what happened when those guards who were there at the tomb, saw those angels, what happened to them? Yeah, they, they, uh, they were frightened, weren't they? And, you know, I love that description that says that they, were, they looked like dead men, right? They, they were scared to death almost, um, just frightened and, and paralyzed uh, at seeing these, these angels. And the women, of course, they're terrified as well. We just read that in Luke 24, verse 5. Uh, they fall to the ground, they bowed their faces, and that makes sense, doesn't it? They walk, in, they walk into this tomb expecting to see this dead body laid there. But yet when they go in there, there's a living, a li- a living being setting up. Uh, that would probably scare most of us, isn't it? Wouldn't it? There are some times where, you know, I'll come in here uh, into the office and it'll be completely dark in here. And... <laughs> you know, maybe I'll find, you know, Wes out here, you know, uh, uh, doing something. And, you know, 
It'll scare me a little bit, right? To be a little bit frightened to walk into a dark room and see somebody who I'm not expecting to be there. And so I can just imagine what uh, these uh, women were going through, uh, seeing, again, the, these, an- these angels with, within the tomb. Um, and they remind them of the words of Jesus, right? Verses 6 and 7. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And then it tells us in verse 8, and they remembered his words. Um, I think it's significant that, uh, that the angels here are playing a part in this, um, in this uh, resurrection uh, scene. Because, you know, I guess we could think about uh, the, the women going into the tomb and not finding the body. You know, that, that would be pretty surprising, right? And that would make them pretty curious as to, well, what's going on? Did somebody move him? Did, was he raised from the dead? Uh, you know, what's going on here? But for them to have this interaction with those angels, right, that's, I mean, that seals it for them, right? Uh, they, they're convinced uh, that that's what had happened. And so what do you do? What do you do when you've just found out some good news? You got to share it, right? And so that's what they do, right? Luke 24, uh, um, they returned, verse 9, and they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and all the rest. I like Matthew's account, says that they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to the disciples. They had fear and great joy. Uh, Mark's account says they were trembling and astonished. That's kind of, I was thinking about that this morning. That was a little perplexing to me. Um, have you ever had uh, a moment in your life of great joy and great fear at the same time? I mean, I could imagine times where I had great fear which subsided into joy or great joy subsiding into great fear, but you know, sort of having both those emotions all at the same time. You think of maybe an event in your life that would have paralleled that? The only thing that I could really could think of in my own life was uh, when Mallory was born. You know, she was born, oh, six, seven weeks premature. Right? And so, obviously, you know, there's that excitement of having a child being born, but then, you know, a couple hours later, learning that she's going to be on, you know, air vent, uh, you know, respiratory type machines, uh, going from the, the hospital that we were to the downtown hospital where they had the NICU, you know, and again, very excited that, you know, our third child is born, but, you know, also a little bit of fear, right, of what's going on. Uh, and so, you know, that's the only thing really I could think of. Uh, but it's, that just popped out at me uh, studying the, the, these verses that they are excited to go and tell the others, but also there's great fear uh, as well because, you know, they, they just witnessed the, these two angels, right, um, interacting with them. And so, uh, again, um, Mark's account lets us know that on their way they told nobody, right? So they didn't stop and talk to other people on the way. They went straight to the disciples, straight to uh, where the apostles were. And uh, when they get there, 
We just read that very last verse in Luke 24, verse 11. When they get to the disciples, did they believe? They didn't, did they? Uh, I like what my translation says. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. Right? These women coming to the, the apostles, and, say, and it says that these words appeared to them as nonsense. Right? What are you talking about, Mary Magdalene? You know, what are you talking about, uh, that you just talked to an angel, uh, that uh, you know, Jesus wasn't there in the tomb? And simply put, they did not believe. They refused to believe. And I think in the, the curriculum, uh, it, talked to, it had this really good quote, quote that said, The first great task of the risen Lord was to convince his own disciples that he might live again. I, uh, all of that work during his ministry to prepare him for this. And, you know, that's going to be his first great task is get them to believe uh, once again. So that's, that's the, the resurrection account from the, um, from the point of view of uh, those, those two women. Let's turn to John chapter 20. And let's notice uh, what happens here uh, when they... Uh, or at least when Mary Magdalene goes and gets uh, a couple of the apostles. So uh, Luke, or excuse me, John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Uh, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran, faster, ran, ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple, who had first come to the tomb, then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. And so the disciples went away again to their own homes. Okay, so uh, Mary Magdalene. Right? She, uh, she, we're told here that she goes to the tomb actually before, uh, while it was still dark. She notices the, the, the rock rolled away. She rushes to, uh, to Peter and John. And what was her reaction in verse 2? Uh, what was her reaction to uh, Peter and John? Yeah, she says, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do, not where, we do not know where they have laid him. I mean, what's interesting about that statement that she just made? Kind of sounds like she's unbelieving, isn't it? The, that he raised from the dead. She said, they have taken him. We don't, know, we don't know where they have taken them. They have taken the body of Jesus out of the tomb. And so, um, 
you know, again, here, here's proof that, you know, that they aren't quite believing that uh, Jesus is going to rise from the dead, right? They have taken away the body. And so Peter, and again, uh, in verse 3, it reads, the other disciple went forth. But again, who is this other disciple? John. It's John, right? And that's who's writing this. And John doesn't, he doesn't say it's him. Uh, he doesn't use his, you know, his, uh, his, uh, name here, but he just, he always says, you know, the, the disciple whom he loved or, or the other disciple. And so Peter and John, they take off running to the tomb. Um, we believe that John was quite a bit younger than, than Peter. And, uh, we notice here that even though they took off first, you know, that, that John makes it to the tomb before Peter. Uh, have you ever seen those, uh, those kind of those jokes, uh, those memes on maybe on social media, on Facebook that kind of are jokingly about how, uh, you know, John kind of puts that into his gospel account a couple of times that he ran faster than Peter? You know, I've always thought those were a little comical because he does. He mentions that twice, doesn't he? Uh, he says there here in, uh, uh, oh, where is it? Verse, uh, verse four and verse eight, that he made it to the tomb faster than Peter. Right? And so I've always gotten a chuckle out of that as well. But they get to the tomb. Again, John gets there faster. Peter eventually catches up. And they, f- they look into the tomb. And uh, what do they see on the ground? Yeah, they, they see a couple of things. They see the, the linen wrappings, which again, this was... Uh, purchased by Joseph of Arimathea. And, there, and then we also see here in verse 7 a face cloth which had been on his head. And that wasn't, uh, we weren't told about that when he was buried. But again, this is part of the Jewish custom, burial customs, to place a faith cloth, a face cloth, or your translation might say a napkin, um, upon his head. And we're, t- we're actually told that this face cloth was rolled up in a place by itself. Interestingly, uh, these two objects have been uh, objects of um, speculation throughout history. I think it's the Catholic Church that owns uh, what they refer to as the Shroud of Turin, which they refer to as the actual um, sheet, the actual linen sheet that Jesus was buried in. And if you've ever seen it, there's sort of like this faint image of a body. And they've actually, you know, used you know, modern day photography to take pictures of it. And you can actually see quite well uh, this body that's on the sheet. And, and then they'll go ahead and say that, you know, this was the actual sheet. And miraculously, the image of Jesus was placed on the sheet. You know, but again, th- there's no substantiating evidence that this is the real sheet, uh, the, the real linen cloth. Um, but, you know, the, they claim it is. And then the, the folded napkin uh, have you ever heard this theory that's uh, been, um, been used in uh, sermon illustrations before that uh, Jewish custom said that, you know, if you were leaving your table, you know, that you were eating at and you left your napkin sort of in this folded fashion, that that was to tell the waiter or waitress that, you know, you're coming back again. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, I've seen that, you know, floated around before as well. But again, uh, that's just another one of these um, theories that, uh, again, there's no substantiating evidence that, uh, you know, that that ever uh, took place in Jewish custom and history. And so 
But, you know, it's kind of fascinating to, to notice that uh, these two items were left behind. What does that tell you uh, about this whole situation, that these two items were left behind uh, when Jesus arose from the dead? Yeah, if, if these were grave robbers coming to take the body, you know, why would they take the time to unravel the body Especially if there's guards posted outside. Now, maybe those guards might have been asleep, uh, not, not doing their job. But still, why would you take the time to unravel the body and leave those there? And especially the face cloth, face cloth to put it, uh, you know, sort of folded up over in the corner uh, to take the time to do that. Right? That, that doesn't make sense, does it? Well, also, was the cloth worth some money back then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... These were items, again, that Joseph of Arimathea purchased, and he was, uh, by all accounts, a, a rich man. And, you know, again, that tomb was his that he owned, that Jesus is there. And, you know, these are valuable items. Again, if it was a grave robber or, or whoever would have been, uh, you know, they wouldn't have left those things uh, just lying there. And so, again, the more um, confidence in the resurrection of Jesus uh, in the scriptures and... Um, and so, again, yeah, grave robbers or Roman officials would not have left those items behind. Right? And so uh, verse 9 says, For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So, again, they do not fully comprehend, again, what's going on here that, uh, of those scriptures, uh, those Old Testament scriptures. But, but we are confident that they now believe, right? If we back up to verse 8. So the other disciple who had, come, had first come into the tomb when he had entered, he, had saw, he saw and he believed. So um, I know we have about five minutes left. Uh, what, what does the resurrection mean to you? I mean, or what does it mean for Christians? What does it mean for Christianity? Someone might say that, you know what, Jesus... He already shed his blood on the cross, right? It's the blood that's important. So why do we even care about uh, the resurrection? Okay, a good point. Uh, that, that it proves that there's life after death. Yeah, Miss Helen? He's coming, back. He's coming back. Yeah, those great points. The resurrection's important, isn't it? Uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 4, that he was declared the Son of God uh, by the resurrection. Right? Uh, God declared him the Son of God by resurrecting him from the dead. So it's important. right? We, we learn that we serve a living Savior. Uh, Jesus was resurrected. Uh, he's, he's living. And, uh, and again, we, we too will be raised, reunited with uh, uh, faithful loved ones. There's life after death, as we've mentioned and we're saved through the resurrection. You know, that was Peter's point in his uh, epistle, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Uh, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right, so uh, we understand that, again, the resurrection, you know, it, it's such an important topic. And... Uh, we, we just can't, you know, not study it enough. Um, one more thing uh, before we close. Uh, I thought this was a good lesson to, to learn as well, but how do we 
approach Jesus. If we take some of the players uh, in the accounts that we just read, um, again, you know, the Apostle John, he raced to that tomb, but he hesitated to go in, didn't he? Uh, He stopped. Uh, He kind of peered in. He he looked in. He waited until Peter got there. We're told that Peter, you know, he he got there, but he went right in. You know, he didn't stop. Uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, we didn't read this, but... It tells us that she was outside the tomb at that time weeping, right? She didn't go inside at that time, but she was outside weeping. And then we, we can think of the other disciples uh, and other apostles who may have heard the news but didn't go, right? That they just kept on unbelieving. And so we, we notice how they approached Jesus at that time. Well, then let's turn that question to us, right? How do we approach Jesus. Uh, and today, you know, 2,000 years later, how do we learn about Jesus? How do we approach Jesus today? And the answer I'm hoping to get is, you know, well, okay, yeah, the prayer is obviously one way that we, you know, we, we, we talk to God through Jesus. And, that, and I thought about that one as well, but there was another one that I was thinking uh, a little bit. Okay, the Lord's Supper. Yeah, we're communing with him. I didn't think about that one. But the way you and I approach Jesus today that, that I was kind of thinking about was, you know, through the scriptures, right? Uh, John chapter 20, verse 31. You know, he, John said, I wrote these things. These things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Right? The Apostle John had a purpose for writing down his gospel account so that you and I can believe and know that Jesus was the Christ. And Luke chapter 24, verse 27, which we're going to study this account next week. But remember, this is the, the road to Emmaus where Jesus uh, encounters those two disciples who are walking down the road. And you know, he, he stops and talks to them even though they don't know that it's Jesus and he, it says that he showed them through the scriptures just who he was, right? And so, again, we ask the question, how do we approach Jesus? Well, we do it through the scriptures. But think about, again, how they are corresponding to, again, these individuals, right? Are, are we sometimes like the Apostle John who, you know, we, we race to the, the tomb, but uh, maybe for whatever reason we hesitate, you know, there, there's some that, you know, they, they get really excited about maybe studying the Bible or studying something. They'll go out and purchase, you know, a brand new Bible and they're on fire to start that. But then it comes to doing it and they kind of hesitate, don't they? And they don't actually get into the scriptures. They don't finish. But then there's Peter, right? Peter jumps right in, doesn't he? Uh, even though it took him a little bit longer to get to the tomb, uh, he jumps right in, right? And... Uh, there's consistency there. You know, I know some of you uh, use those, you know, those year-long Bible reading plans, and those are great, right? Uh, that keep you on track, to help you to read, you know, the Bible through a, through a year. You know, like Peter, right? He, he, he went straight to it and got right into it. Mary Magdalene, again, she was outside the tomb. Uh, she was weeping. Uh, she was crying. And, uh, you know, that some people try to approach Jesus, you know, emotionally, right? They're, they're, uh, they're, they're looking for that emotional experience. 
But again, John says, I'm writing these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, right? Read these things that I'm writing. And then, of course, we have those others who don't even attempt uh, to go to uh, the tomb. And of course, we can correspond that with many who just don't get into the word and read. And so, uh, appreciate everyone's attention tonight. Uh, next week, we will continue on where we uh, sort of, we're just going to look at the, the, the final appearances of Jesus before he ascends uh, into heaven.